you get to this weird, dumb planet? Ego found me in my larva state, orphan on my home world. He raised me by hand and kept me as his own. So you're a pet? I suppose. People usually want cute pets. Why would you go on such a hideous one? I am hideous? You are horrifying to look at, yes. But that's a good thing. Oh? When you're ugly and someone loves you, you know they love you for who you are. Beautiful people never know who to trust. Well, then I'm certainly grateful to be ugly. Those pools, they remind me of a time when I took my daughter to the forgotten lakes of my homework. She was like you. Disgusting. Innocent. something I must tell you. Up. The first thing I did this morning was book uh, the uh, <laughs> Spider Verse ticket. So not not a bad way to start the day. Not a bad way to start the day. I know we're very anti-trailer, but did you watch the Dune trailer? Yeah. Oh shit! Was it? Uh, I have not watched it, which is kind of surprising because I'm surprised you just haven't seen it in theaters yet. But uh, how was it? I liked it a lot. I do think that personally. It is missing the wow factor of the first one because okay. now we kind of have our arms around what it is. Yeah. And this is a thing that I think is very interesting is that now that we know what it is, the trailer doesn't excite me, which tells me that trailers are not good at their job and don't matter. <laughs> I think that is the ultimate conclusion of what we should be coming away with. <laughs> or maybe you just like, not have trailer houses make them anymore. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, like I, I've read the book, so I knew the scene was coming. I'm excited that the scene is coming. The scene that they focus on looks exactly the way I imagined it would okay. based on the previous installation, which I am excited about, but I'm not more excited about it than I was now that I've seen a little piece of it. And it looks exactly the way that I thought it would look and no better and no more interesting. Yeah. So I think I'm going to try to avoid it until I guess just impossible until it's an actual movie theaters, which will probably. And also, soon. I don't know how to describe it, but I think that part of the problem I'm having with it 
It's just that it is exactly what I thought. The original trailer used the Pink Floyd song to like kind of throw you off a little bit. Yeah. That doesn't wind up being in the movie, but this is like the yeah and like the drums and like all the stuff that we have already heard, which is fine. Yeah. So do you think it diminished your excitement for the movie? It didn't diminish it, but it added nothing. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm but. like, ah, what I thought. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's why I'm avoiding it also, because the movie is what I want. I don't care about the trailer, so. Yeah. Ah, I'm what de- I thought. Nice. <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely Thursday night. If they have anything earlier than the Thursday night premiere, I'll go to that. But they got my money either way. So I'm good with that. Speaking of trailers, though, I saw the Oppenheimer trailer before we get into Guardians. I saw the Oppenheimer trailer, and it actually looks very mid. Is there (laughs) any clarity on if there's a singular Asian person? I do not remember. They barely even showed Flo in the trailer. Pictures of leaked of who uh, Albert Einstein is, but I, I don't remember seeing them in the actual trailer. I... Remember seeing a lot of cheering white folks who were cheering on, you know, death and destruction. So, uh, <laughs> no one hasn't done any nuanced, like, political thrillers, has he? Right? I don't think he has. So, I really don't I, know. I would argue that what's his space movie? I don't remember what it's called. <laughs> uh, Dunkirk? No, the space movie. Oh, I thought you said what's his face movie? Interstellar. Yeah, that one has some, like, political mes- messaging in it. Does like, it? Yeah, because it's about, like, climate change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it, though. Yeah, but, like, also, yeah. it affected everyone. It's not like, you know, one group was inflicting it on the other quite as much as it uh, this would be. Yeah. And I don't really trust him to handle that with any sort of care or grace because you can't make a movie about this and not have any Asian actors in it. So I'm looking through the, well, what's on Letterboxd at least, because it's definitely not going to be complete yet, but mm-hmm. your boy Jack Quaid was in the trailer. Holy shit, it's going to <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of James, a lot of Scott's, a lot of... A lot of Jasons, a lot of Dannys. I'm not seeing any of our Asian brothers or sisters. <laughs> so, uh, and again, maybe well, I just we don't know the full cast until it comes out. Hey, but. let's not forget that this is still at a time where they had all the people of color working in a separate lab. There are going to be no people of color with any significance in this movie. Oh, hell no. Every time I remember Morgan Freeman is in the Batman movies, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. The and then only I thing feel about, bad that I have, like, forgot. I mean, it's very forgettable. Um, they also always put him in such a bright room that it's so clear to me that they are trying to pale him out of existence. Hilarious. There's one scene in the trailer where Matt Damon is, this is the most important thing in the world, in the history of the world. Ah. So, uh, 
<laughs> so <laughs> it's just, it's gonna be a lot of white men staring very hardly at each other, and not in a good way. How you pronounce is is it Chilean? How Cillian? How you pronounce his name? I, I think it's Cillian. It's a lot of shots of him just dead panning into in not into the camera, away from the camera, uh, vision line all over the place. So it's gonna be a lot of hard stares from that young man. So he was always the thing that interested me the most about. Like I liked him a lot as the Scarecrow, and I thought his take on the Scarecrow was the most interesting thing about the Nolan Batman movies. I don't know about the most interesting for me, but I did like him in Begins a lot. And then when he would pop up in the subsequent ones, it was a bit of a interesting thing he, he did, even if he wasn't given anything to do in the other two movies. And he's a good actor. Like I did like him in Inception. I enjoyed him in that. I always think that he is the the shitty boyfriend from Love Actually, but he's not. It's some other guy that looks like him, but with like a wider head. <laughs> Shout out to the white heads. Hold on, who are you talking about? Hold on, I gotta see who you're talking about now. Not Colin Firth. No, I think it's Carl in Love Actually. There we go. Yeah, it is. The actor's named Rodrigo Santoro. They don't actually look that much alike, <laughs> they but their mannerisms are really similar. They have a similar vibe. All right, they pass each other's vibe check. Okay. Oh, maybe. He was in um, Westworld. Did you watch Westworld? Killian Murphy? No. No, Rodrigo Santoro. Possibly. I don't know. I have not seen Westworld. Oh, wow. Well, I watched like surprising. half of the first season and I was like, that was fun. And then I was like, I'll finish that. And then I never did. And here we are. And then now you can't even stream it on HBO Max anymore. And, and that was six, seven years ago when I started that. The first season seven years ago? Hold on. Jesus Christ. So. What is happening with time? 2016. Yeah. And I was watching it the summer after it came out. Time means nothing anymore. I dropped our Frankenstein episode last week. Did you know that Guillermo del Toro was making a, a Frankenstein movie? I didn't know if it was official or not. I had heard I had heard the whispers. So it was reported back in March that well with the writers striking all, who knows what's going on now, but it's supposed to be for Netflix animated Oscar like Isaac. Like adult animation? Mm. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Andrew Garfield, Oscar Isaac, and Mia Goth are, well, at least tentatively set to star in it. So. Well, I um, hope it gets made because Del Toro's had a lot of projects announced and then disappear. But I think this would be a really interesting story for him. Yeah. Have you been keeping up with the writer's strike? I've been following it and doing my best to to support and, you know, not cross virtual picket lines when possible. Generally, though, I support the workers, as I pretty much always do. Yeah. I've read the bill that they submitted and then the counterproposals, when there were counterproposals, which wasn't very often, and I feel the same. I supported them before. I support them just as much after reading what they want. Yeah. Pro-labor on this I I was thinking recently about why I don't really watch TV shows anymore. And I think it is actually because of the 2008 writer's strike, because that one 
killed my favorite TV show. Which was that? Pushing Daisies. Okay. It was pretty popular, and then the writer's strike happened, and they started putting it on at weird times, and it just kind of went out with a fizzle after, like, a six-month hiatus because of the writer's strike, right? I think ever since then, I've just been like, I so like and respect the work that these people do. Also, I can never trust television to not abandon me again. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a fair point. Because um, that show was coming out when I was 10, 10 and 11 and trying to figure out as a little kid who no one would talk to as an adult, but trying to deal with the very adult topic of death. That program was really the only thing that made me feel understood at all or like able to contextualize something that heavy for me, right? In a way that I could relate to. And then it just went away. Yeah. And like, I get that that's what happens. But ever since then, I've, I think in my brain, I've just kind of been like, TV comes and goes, it doesn't doesn't last, doesn't matter. Because mm. I I've, I've really haven't watched anything that isn't already finished since then. And even stuff like Game of Thrones, I only watched because of my dorm mates who were watching it. Okay. I mean, that is the gamble with television. Like, it can be canceled at any point. So, there's a risk in that. There's a risk in that. And I do know other people that they will not start shows until either the season is finished or the series is finished. And then, you know, catch back up afterwards. So, it's understandable. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Pushing Daisies was, like, truly one of the most important things to me growing up. And watching it back again as an adult, I see so much of who I still am reflected in what that show gave me. All right. And I think that it just going away like that really soured me on the whole medium. Yeah. Which I know sounds really like petty, but I think that might also be why I'm like, if you can't tell me a story in two and a half hours or with a green lighted, well-planned sequel, I don't really care. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The show can go in its life and not be canceled, but then the quality just dips completely and it's something that morphs into whatever. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I used to love Castle as well because it was like a murder of the week show, but it had a will they won't they aspect I really liked. And then they did. And it was awful. (laughs) I never finished it. And that was like a show we'd watch every every night, like every weeknight at dinner. We'd watch a castle. Okay. And then we we were rewatching it during the pandemic and we got to like the second to last season and we pulled out the DVDs and we went, we can just be done, right? Hilarious. I think I've really experienced the gone too soon and dear God, can it be over of television? <laughs> and And I haven't really found my like sweet spot of like the perfect couple of seasons of TV. Yeah, I think growing up, and watching TV in the 90s, it was a thing of your favorite show could be canceled, but because television was a bit more pop culture and a more shared experience, it was still okay just to watch anything and just kind of go. But also the idea that you could have, I don't want to say fluff because that's a little bit dismissive, but you can have TV that was not so like everything is leading up to this one moment. Like, it would just have TV shows that were just, like, shows that you just watched. The characters mattered more than the stories, and that was kind of it. So, I think getting getting out of TV as an adult, I think is because TV isn't, to me at least, it's so segregated and not really that communal, that communal experience anymore. 
I just kind of fell out of it. And then I was always more into movies than the TV anyway. So I think now, like, I think I may only watch like three new shows a year, probably. Uh, if that actually, I don't think I even do that anymore. Actually, I genuinely can't remember the last time that I put on a TV show that I either wasn't a format I'm familiar with, a la RuPaul's Drag Race, or and I know RuPaul's Drag Race is gonna end if they start a season. Yeah. Or it wasn't something I had already like seen and had some comfort with, or at least is in a universe I I like, a la The Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm not even keeping up with Star Wars TV. I liked this season of The Mandalorian, but not enough that I would probably continue after this. Oh, shit. Well, I heard people didn't like it at all. I think it had some some of my favorite Star Wars moments, but I also think that that was not enough to save it. Oh, shit. You know, because it winds up being like 10 hours of storytelling when all is said and done. And I do not feel that we got 10 hours of character growth or plot or cool space shit to justify for, for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I watch Andor. I did not watch the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. That one's okay. It's mostly just about PTSD, which is pretty neat. I only watched the first season of Man. I never watched the second season or this last one. So I don't know, man. Like, it's TV, television just doesn't necessarily excite me and like you said the idea of can you use your time effectively to tell a story in a and especially in a movie format i greatly appreciate but yeah man tv just doesn't appeal to me i never finished billions i never even started success, succession so i'm having a hard time finished girls i watch girls oh i guess ted lasso ted lasso is the only show i've recently started and stuck with but even that one, I've been told that the third one is really bad. The third season of that, which I haven't started yet. And the backlash is honestly enough that I might be, <laughs> might just be done. Oh, shit. I mean, yeah, I heard, I heard this season wasn't really good either. So I can't tell you to take a chance on it. I might check it out. I haven't decided yet. I'm waiting until the season is over to see if it's just a slow burn and people are uncomfortable because they don't know the ending yet. If it becomes a, oh, I see where all the little puzzle pieces that they were setting up all season brought it to here. Yeah. Apparently some people were saying that this season was is supposed to be the last one, but no one's confirmed anything yet about it. Yeah, I mean, Jason Sudeikis has said that this is the end of the story that they planned to tell, but has not ruled off, uh, ruled out like a spinoff type series. Oh, okay. But I don't know if that's changed. And if that's changed... That may be why they're dragging this season out so much. Yeah. What up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Oroko Saki, aka The Shredder, here to tell you about the Shredhead podcast, starring me, The Shredder, and my best friend, my main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang. Krang is there. He's my producer. We have a podcast. It's utterly ridiculous. It's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles in years, but we're primarily talking about hoops. Yes, the national, the national BA, the W national BA. Um, uh, oh damn it! I've run into the lyrics. I'm sorry, but just check out the Shredhead podcast. 
it's me, it's crime, it's crazy. But speaking of dragging this thing out this much, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> Volume 3. I mean, that can that just be the whole review? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> it was mean and they could have cut 45 minutes. The end. Bitch, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> oh, man. So I read your review of it and... We both gave that was the nice review. The the mean review is coming now that people have had time to see it. Oh, nice, nice. Are you going to write about it again for them for Nurk Oliver? Yes, I am. Oh, shit. Here we go. So, should we talk just a minute just about what our thoughts are non spoiler free and then get into spoilers? Sure. So, you'll be happy to know I did not fall asleep on this one. Um, well, it was. I mean, I don't know where you saw it, but where I saw it, it would have been impossible because it sounded like they were landing a fucking Learjet every two <laughs> minutes. I can't say the theater was packed because the first two rows are never really packed, but everywhere else was full. Um, so it was a full theater. And in your review, in your first review, I know you wrote that the sound wasn't necessarily mixed well. I did not have that experience. So I think that may possibly have been your theater that you were in, unfortunately. But it was pretty loud, though. So I will say that. Um, but it wasn't mixed badly. So it's kind of two different things. It was, it was okay. Like, I, I thought the comedy was funny. A lot of people really love this movie. And I'm so shocked by that. I don't know if it's because they, if people are responding to... This is last. This is James Gunn's last Marvel project. I'm appreciating it a lot more than if if we didn't know James Gunn was not going to be in, in the MCU anymore, and it was just a regular schmegler gun movie that people respond this strongly to it. I don't know, if, but people love this if movie. He well, okay. So there's there's two sides of this coin, right? I think that this is probably a better James Gunn movie than it is a Marvel movie. However, comma. I don't think this movie would be made like this if James Gunn wasn't leaving. I think I agree with both of those. So uh, the one thing that I will tell you about this movie, listener, without really getting into specific spoilers, is that this is incredibly dark and fucked up and the jokes are very mean-spirited. And I remember when James Gunn went on that big publicity tour after those tweets resurfaced where he was like, I'm not that person anymore, I've changed. That guy who made the bad tweets made a movie in 2023. (laughs) <laughs> this movie is James Gunn pretending to be the guy he said he isn't anymore, which tells me that he never stopped being that guy, which is disappointing. Obviously, I don't know him in his personal life. For all I know, maybe he has changed. But the fact that there is one prolonged set piece where the central joke is women can't drive. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will just say violence against women is a running comedy motif in this movie. Yeah. Worse Without, than in volume two, because it's it's in volume two too, and I hate it in volume two. Yeah, our, our poor world mantis is uh, it's, it's not. Yeah, but there's also her. there's also a long scene containing a woman screaming that I later found out is James Gunn's wife. Christ. Which I was like, do I need to call somebody like Kevin, <laughs> Mister Mister Feige, sir? How did you let this stand? Uh, <laughs> well, before we get into spoilers, was there any anything positive about the movie that 
you liked? If you like the way the, the, the team dynamic, you're going to like this one at least a little. Additionally, if you've wanted more from certain characters, you will get it here. Yeah. There are a lot of really good performances. Yeah. And I generally agree with the message, even if I don't like the way that they chose to portray certain aspects. Yeah. I think the most positive thing from this movie is it just proves that we need Dave Bautista in children's movies that are for children and not adult kids. Give movies. him a rom-com. Give him a kid's movie. Give him whatever he wants. Exactly. That's, that's the only thing I'm walking away from this movie saying. And again, and again, before we end the spoilers, I wanted to say one more time, there are tons and tons of critics and folks who like this movie more than we do. If you watch it for the James Gunn-ness of it, you're likely going to like it if you like him. But this if is our... If you like pre-Guardians of the Galaxy James Gunn, then you will probably like this more than we did. Okay, I think that's fair enough. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Kat, can you guess what was my almost my favorite moment in the movie? Can you guess? When Chris Pratt almost died. Boy, 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 boy. The only time I perked up in the movie was when his fucking ass was freezing in space. His hold on, hold on, let me set it up. So his fucking head shit it exploded somewhat or got big for whatever reason. I was like, okay. Finally we have some stakes of some main character dying, and then all of a sudden <laughs> no. <laughs> and I was literally like, fuck this movie. <laughs> As soon as I saw what they were trying to do, I was like, we're not going to do this. They're not going to kill. Could you imagine how insufferable the Gadsden flag? I don't understand why there are any Christians in Hollywood people would be if they did that. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh. They were never going to do that. As soon as I saw that, it just immediately went, let me guess, this is going to take five to seven minutes to resolve. And we know they're not going to do it. So this is just in here for what? To show that the team cares about him? We know <laughs> that. Yeah, this movie really hits you over the head with, we're friends and friendship is cool, part three, which is totally fine. I, I'm okay, pro-friendship. Can, can I pull my biggest problem with this movie? Absolutely, yes. It is the same plot as the last one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Did you know we're friends? We should stay friends. Yeah, but also, but also, hey, did you know I had a weird and traumatic upbringing and I've always wanted to find out what exactly happened to me and my friends? I'm going to go confront the thing that made me. God, the thing that made me is fucked up. We should fight about at the end. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> yes, absolutely, man. Like, 
Uh, first of all, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge that I think it's kind of weird that the two biggest villains so far in this series are in this phase. And I'm not going to fight you, Quantumania. Your movie was bad. But the two biggest villains so far in this series are, for this phase rather, are black men. Yeah, very true. Very true. I don't I don't have a commentary point I want to make there. I just want to say that I noticed it and I can't unnotice it and it makes me uncomfortable. Um. Oh uh, well, hold on. Hold on. I, I want to stand there just for a second. So I, I have not seen Quantum Quantum Realm or Quantum Mania, but we know Kang. Uh, we know yeah. his the notorious Kang. Um, so I know before like the shit with Jonathan Majors happens, a lot of people were theorizing. Well, not I don't think theorizing. Like they were going to set up him as like basically the new Thanos. For this new character, for this new villain, he wasn't going to be that. He was just going to be a one-off villain, I suppose. Or maybe he comes back. Who the fuck knows? I don't necessarily think that is a bad thing, but it's okay to have black villains. But at the same time, in these two films, there are no black heroes. So the only heroes are white or whatever color Dave Bautista is in this movie. So that can be a little bit sketchy. That can be a little bit a little bit sketchy if, if you're in the wrong hand. So I can definitely see how that would be if you're just identifying it, but you're not really sure like why this could potentially be a negative thing. That is a negative thing. And I, and I'm guessing, I don't know. Are there any black heroes in quantum mania? No. So, I mean, so. <laughs> we, we haven't had a, a new black hero since Falcon at this point. Well, no, like Riri Williams is new in Wakanda Forever. I'll give her that. Yeah, but that the the racial dynamics in that movie are problematic too because oh my real, god, the, the the real villain is white people and no one wants to fight white people. So I don't I don't know. Give give Namor his dick back. Oh oh yeah, they de-dicked him. They de-dicked yeah. him. That's right. <laughs> They took that man's dick away. <laughs> Give and him his bulge I, back. I, that's why I won't watch it again. I mean, it, that movie's trash. I'm not watching it for that reason, but <laughs> oh man. But um, I'm really glad you pointed it out because I haven't seen a lot of people really talk about that. So I think that was a interesting thought exercise. So uh, thank you for bringing that. Yeah, there's the additional caveat of the only two villains that haven't been black men in this phase. I'm kind of counting Wakanda separately for this uh, yeah. because they they're fairly self-contained. Have been an immigrant woman and Christian Bale, who is very white. So hilarious. <laughs> He's so white. The shot in black and white. Yeah. So I just felt the need to like press on that a little bit because it was a little oof. The High Evolutionary does a great job. I really like him as a villain. I wish they had given him a storyline that wasn't just Star-Lord, but with raccoons this time. I mean, he's basically Thanos. Again, like... No, he's Ego. (laughs) He's literally Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Except instead of fucking everybody's mom, he vivisected everybody. Bring back fucking moms! God! And there are a lot of people, well, I saw some people saying that, like, he was one of the best villains in the MCU, and I, God bless. I, I didn't see that. But. So here's here's what I'm going to say. 
I had a friend who was convinced that he's the best villain in the MCU because we see him do the most horrific visceral shit. Okay. Okay. So by that logic, I guess that's fine. But that is not why I watch a movie. Or if that is why I am watching a movie, that is why I am watching, like, Hostile. I'm not watching a story-driven movie. Yeah. He's not the best villain because he's not interesting. Thank you. Thank you. If they had made it more interesting, maybe I would have been down. Yeah. We have this guy, and his whole thing is vivisection. He is trying to make an ultimate utopia, right? Great, fine. Um, He is doing this by experimenting on critters, of which Rocket is one. Now, one thing I will say, I think that the animation on Rocket is beautiful. I think Rocket does an amazing job in this movie, and I think Bradley Cooper does a great job with that voice performance. Yes, I agree. The fact that the first word Rocket says is hurt, and he sounds legitimately like a child, I will not lie to you, that kind of got me. Yeah, I think his storyline is the best emotional point. anything else had got me. Yeah, but also, it's like, it's not about him, because he's dead for like 30 fucking ever. It's not, it's like 50% of the movie. Yeah. He is just not in the present timeline at all. But then sometimes, it's like, you're near him, so you see light, it makes sense. Like, oh, the the ship just jolted in such a way that in his dream recounting of this, it makes sense that this is him getting uh, restrained or whatever. But then sometimes they just randomly smash cut to it. Yeah. Which kind of ruins the immersion, I'll be honest. I, and I think that they know that that one flashback sequence, which is interesting and not bad. I mean, it's very intense. It is very gross. They instead choose to put all the humor of the other two movies. They try to cram it into the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. So the tonal dissonance in this thing is tough to get your arms around. Yeah, very much so. Additionally, a lot of the humor does circle around violence against women mm-hmm. in a way that makes me very uncomfortable. Specifically, violence against mantis but not exclusively there are a couple other times where women being harmed is a punchline including when drax throws a kickball at a little girl and she just gets fucking bodied yeah and like i don't feel comfortable with that it'd be one thing if it was like i didn't like the runner in volume two about whenever they like land in the dramatic hero pose Mantis would get hit by something and wouldn't be able to land in the hero pose like them. Yeah. But I at least acknowledge that that was part of the deal. In this one, instead of that, it's now she has gone from being unlucky to just klutzy and awful. And she can't land right ever. So she always lands in a position that would break her neck with the grossest, crunchiest Foley effect on it. She's like, she's Daffy Duck. In this motherfucking movie, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, did you really listen to that sound? That like, no, <sighs> yeah, it was like a pile driver on her spine. Like, no, it's gross. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that happens. They uh, shoot uh, James Gunn's wife in the leg, and she screams for three uninterrupted minutes. <laughs> yeah. And they seem to think that it keeps getting funnier. 
Yeah, actually, yes. I forgot that they pause for like a com- like a comedic. Oh yeah, you're supposed to laugh at this piece. But I was like, this is not funny. At that was all. horrifying. Yeah. I totally forgot like, that it happened. You can yeah. see blood. Like, I feel like this is the first yeah. MCU movie in a minute where there's, like, blood. It may be the first one when you see, like, a bullet hole. I'm pretty sure you see yeah. a bullet hole. So, that's pretty Yeah. Wild. There's that whole central set piece about how women can't drive. Oh, you know, remember there's... very early in the movie when you actually see Mantis' arm, like, broken? Like, you yeah. literally see oh, it yeah. broken. Yeah. 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 And, like, obviously, these are superhero movies. People get hurt. But when Nebula in the beginning gets all, like, bent. Yeah. And they have that really gross body horror of her snapping herself back together. And that's another thing where they have, like, this long, wavering shot on it. And people in our screening were laughing. Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Happened with us, too. Happened with us, too. And I don't understand. If someone can explain the joke to me, I'm happy to listen. But I don't understand why that is... Like, there was a couple of moments where, like, silly things happen to Chris Pratt. And you're like, tee-hee-hee, he's a dummy. But, like, those are always played off as charming. Yeah. Whereas, whenever it happens to a woman, it's like, <laughs> broads. Like... This dame. Yeah. yeah. Which is not what I remember about Guardians of the Galaxy, right? In the first one, Gamora is just a member of the fucking team. She proves that she's good at her job. Yeah, Peter Quill is horny for her, but that's not how she gets on the team. If she couldn't pull her weight, she wouldn't be there. Yeah. And the team is now almost half women. Something that I I was kind of weirded out by, but I don't know if it's maybe just me, but it felt a little bit gross that Quill, he kept trying to emotionally manipulate Gamora to be like, well, we used to be in love. We used to have this relationship. You used to mean the world to me. We used to mean to each other. When it's like, bro, she told you a dozen times, like, that shit is gone. Why do you keep bringing this shit up? that I cheered internally when she said, I bet we were fun, goodbye. And, like, does not give him a hug, gets on the ship, fucking leaves. I was like, yes, get it, queen, leave. Yes, please don't give in to this silliness, please. You know what? To me, it kind of makes sense that he would do that. Yes. But also, I'm really glad they didn't give in to it. Yes. Because that would have made me very, very angry. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right, some other things that I like. I like that Adam Warlock sucks. Keep up the good work. Fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> Hold on, you just, you just have a note that says fuck that guy. <laughs> I believe that it's in reference to uh, Adam Warlock as a character because he's awful, but whatever. Okay, all right. There were just like a lot of things that it felt so mean. Um, yeah. Like, this is a thing that got in my brain in a way that I didn't realize. They don't save anybody on the fucking planet. Oh, yeah. Everyone Counter, dies. Counter-Earth gets fucking exploded. Yeah. Counter-Earth Counter is gone. All those people gone. Yeah. Yeah. Including ones that we spent like 40 minutes in their home getting to know them. Yep. 
They gone. Yeah, they're just dead. And like, is this the first Marvel movie where our heroes let a genocide happen? <laughs> they're not getting snapped back. Like, I mean, that's for they, sure. they stop a second genocide, but they do let one genocide happen. I mean, they don't speak English. They rabbits. They turtles. They can go. There's no acknowledgement of that either. Rocket, if I were Rocket, right, and like you literally gave your body and your friends and your life to make this thing happen. Yeah. And they just be exploding it. I would be mad as fuck. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And not just for me, for all those other fucking people. And instead, Rocket's like, I gotta save the Bebe Raccoons. Which I'm like, yes, you do, of course. But also, like... <laughs> yeah. Th- there was just a genocide! Yo. <laughs> and everyone's like, good job, team, let's get ice cream. And then, like, deeply emotionally connect before functionally disbanding. And having an incredibly touching scene dancing to Dog Days Are Over. Really liked the way the movie ended, by the way. They were like, yo, this planet is exploding. Well, we got to get out of here. Like, that's it. Like, that's literally it. Yeah. My favorite part, personally, in the very end was when they were like, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do this. So you're going to be in charge, Captain. And they all pound on their chest. I'm like, pound on your chest if you're not going to be in the next one of these fucking movies. Like. (laughs) So. I I like how it ended. I think it is good. I like that it ended with everybody dancing. To Dog days are over. I think that is good. I enjoy that. I think a lot of good things happened. I think my favorite part is just Batista with the kids. Like, yeah. No, I think that's a perfect place for his character to stop. I think absolutely. that Nebula trying to make sure that there are no little kids who are ever going to be unsafe again by making nowhere into an actual society. Perfect Great. place for her character to end. Great, yes. I think Peter Quill going to visit his grandfather. Perfect. Fine. I like that a lot, actually. I think that's a great choice. Rocket and Groot taking over the team and working with Kraglin. Good. Mantis going to discover who she actually is outside of who people have expected her to be. Good. Good. Gamora choosing her her family. Good. I don't feel that anything in this movie led up to that. Yeah, the journey. (laughs) The destination was not worth the journey. It was was rough. It also just seems like the destination, like, it seems like they parachuted into it. And we had to watch an (laughs) unrelated journey. Full of death and grossness. It got to this wonderful place. I guess they kind of occasionally are like, you should visit your grandpa, asshole. Which is like... Fine, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, I, like, I thought we had a whole bit in the last one about how chosen family is more important than the family you were born to. And it felt like someone was like, wasn't his grandfather fine? And they were like, fine, we'll say he was fine. Is that what you want? I think it's unintentional comedy that he got to the door, saw a black woman, was like, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> Why is a black woman here? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, we could talk at length about the idea of having a black woman as house help in the South and how that plays into generational long trauma, but whatever, and power dynamics and whatever, but we won't. <laughs> oh, man. 
Yo, Marvel is funny as shit, man. Like, ugh. I did like the after credit bit where he was just like, I can't believe he won't mow his own, like, dad's lawn. What the fuck is he doing? I would watch a 15-minute set of Marvel shorts of Star-Lord just trying to, like, acclimate back to 2023. To Earth life. Yeah. Well, it's 2027 now uh, in MCU canon. Oh, it is? Yeah. Okay. Yep. They're a little ahead of us. That said, the Guardians of the Galaxy are probably my favorite Marvel thing. Uh, Of the trilogy? No. No, 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 no. I'm not. I don't mean the favorite movie of the trilogy. I mean of the trilogy movies. I'm sorry. They're my favorite team. Two is my favorite. Then one. Then three. So you Controversial like take, the one with Kurt Russell and no stakes except the main guy's emotions is my favorite. But, like, I've made a point to go to a theme park just to go on a roller coaster with these characters. Because in a lot of ways, they have felt like my friends. And they have reminded me a lot about the people that I choose to spend my life with. And I think that's a positive thing. And I don't feel that way about the Avengers, really. We never see the Avengers, like, have fun. Except that one time in that god-awful Joss Whedon movie, but we don't need to talk about that. Hey, man, come on, You can't convince me that any of the Avengers were actually having fun in that movie, no matter how much you try to. Uh, They all just look so goddamn miserable. Um, I mean, it it was, we were in a recession, cat. Come on, now. When Age of Ultron came out? (laughs) I was kidding. I was joking, cat. I was joking. They're a team that means a lot to me, in case you can't tell by how just, like, earnest... I became, and it makes me very, very sad that I feel like they felt more like the kids who were like edgy and mean to everyone for no reason in high school. Yeah. In this movie, than they do those people I've come to care about over the past several years. You know, I get that they're characters and whatever, but like, I think you understand what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know what my favorite trilogy. I guess I mean I guess it's Avengers, but it's probably Captain America actually, but The Captain America one is really good. Yeah. To your point, none of those movies are fun. Uh, well, the characters themselves aren't really I don't know if this sounds shitty, but they're not really human. There's not a lot of like interpersonal dynamics that represent people that I know. Whereas Guardians, even though I don't like two, and I'm very mid on three, I can admit that there are kind of the dynamics of you're kind of a ragtag group, like college, for example, like you're a ragtag group, you're in this situation that you're in, but you know, you're trying to make the best of it. You love people, you learn from people, whatever. And I think of the Guardians movies, of all the trilogies, except maybe Spider-Man, I think Spider-Man does it too. We actually have friends who actually fuck with each other. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a thing that I've noticed, you know. Obviously, in Captain America, you've got Bucky and Cap, and then eventually you get Sam as well. And, like, I like their dynamic. I think that they're a cool little group. Yeah, you do, but it's it's not like Guardians, though. I can, I can definitely yeah, admit to that. But also, the dynamic in a group of, like, three people versus five people versus now I think there's like eight or ten of them, is very different. Yeah, yeah. And the thing that I really liked about the last couple is that in one and two, 
I feel like we both got time for everybody to have little character moments, right? Yeah. And we got to watch them all develop, even if they aren't the main character. Like, Nebula in one is still a character who's growing. And here, I don't know if it's because it's the last one or what, but I don't really feel like anybody grew very much. No. It's not like Rocket forgot he didn't like the high evolutionary. Well, I will say to your point about the meanness of the movie, they bicker a lot in this movie. Yeah. A lot. And And I think that's why there's no real growth. They do this thing also that has always bothered me, where, like, the hyper-competent action star woman can't appreciate the soft skills that the other one brings. And, in fact, thinks those soft skills are a waste of time, even though without Mantis, there's no movie. Yeah. Like, the number of times that Mantis saves the day cannot be overstated in this movie. Yeah. In fact, I would say, I would I would wager that everybody is dead by the end of the second action set piece if Mantis isn't there. <laughs> yeah. So is the title for this episode Justice for Mantis? Might, might be. <laughs> you know, so the fact that, like, she does so much for the team in combat situations, too. She's clearly figured out how to wield this skill in a combat situation, which is terrifying, by the way. Yeah. The fact that she can gently graze a guy and he just starts killing the people around him who on his side is terrifying. Yeah. I did like the part when she made the dude fall in love with Drax. That was Yeah, fun. that was that great. Was but also like in those action scenes with the people that she is able to subdue or stop or turn to kill other people with one touch, she is the most effective of anybody in one of those matches. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And because she doesn't, like, go pew-pew, Nebula thinks she's an idiot. And I And I don't understand why movies are so fucking diametrically opposed to different types of women having a friendship. Yeah. Like, if anything, I feel like they should work. Especially because Nebula doesn't have, like, skin. So she can't really touch (laughs) her and influence her feelings. I feel like wouldn't that make them a better team? Yeah, yeah. And instead, the only way that we get there is by her being like, I'm not an idiot. And Nebula being like, yes, you are. I'm like, <laughs> why is that it? Yeah. They they call each other like morons and dumb, dumb, like dumbasses and shit. Like, I, I don't do that with my friends. You can tease your friends, but like, there are a couple moments where it felt like, okay, they're doing a little bit too much now. Yeah, there have been a couple of times where I've been like, listen up, numb nuts. But like, <laughs> that is not the energy that this is. Yeah. This is like, listen here, you sick son of a bitch. I wish I had never <laughs> met your raggedy ass. And it's like, if yeah. someone who loved me talked to me that way. Yeah, it would be totally fucked up. I would be inconsolable for yeah. months. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. So we we both gave it a three star. Um, I did not give it a patented like. You did not either. But I think you're a little. I think you're a little more stringent with your likes on the LB letterbox. So I have to actually like it for me to. <laughs> there it is. Uh, how how many times have you seen it so far? Just once. Do you plan on watching it again before you write about it on? 
Nurikawa, or are you going to just write about it? I don't really want to sit through it again. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, if it was similar to one and we got to the same place where we got to, I think I would have been like, okay, I see why everyone loves this movie, but I don't know, man. It's, it just wasn't that. I, so. I just, if it was shorter or more pleasant, I think I would be fine. Yeah. So the, the Rocket storyline has a lot of emotionality behind it, but do I really want to sit and watch animals get tortured? <laughs> like, I, like <laughs> I don't want to, you can't keep revisiting that, or why would you want to keep revisiting that? So, And I think that's also why people say this is one of the best villains, because of that aspect, too, to where he's torturing literally the most vulnerable with no remorse in these multiple different kind of ways. So, but I, I don't want to watch, you know, animals get slaughtered. So I don't think I want to watch this movie ever again. <laughs> I, I can comfortably say that. Yeah. And I'm pretty disappointed that it evoked that strong of a reaction from me. You know what the kicker is? Even though I hate it, like emotionally, I still think that it is objectively the second best movie in Marvel's Phase 4. What is the uh, uh, first, Black Panther? No. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I would say. Oh, no, Strange, right? No. No oh. Way Home. Is that Phase 4? That yeah, that's the first one in Phase 4. Damn, I didn't, I didn't even know it went that far back, but I guess so. Yeah, so I would do No Way Home, Guardians, Doctor Strange, Wakanda Forever, Love and Thunder. So this is technically the last Phase 4 movie? I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the... Because there was supposed to be... Oh, no, no. This is Phase 5 now. We're in Phase 5. So... What was the big Nexus Point event? So Quantum Mania is the first movie of Phase 5. And Guardians is the second movie. I wish you could see my face, people at home. <laughs> I, know, I, Kat, I know we don't release video, but that may be the episode art. <laughs> it should be the episode I... Cat <laughs> is so fucking stressed. Holy shit. Uh, when, when so wait the end of phase four was was what the end of phase four was wakanda forever which is not a tentpole it's not the like the thing that it, like what unless, unless everybody else watched a different wakanda forever than i did that didn't bring any closure to the fucking phase it, it did not it, are we just arbitrarily throwing out phases now? Does this have to do with the show? Because then if by that logic, it should have ended when they introduced Kang back at the end of Loki. What are we doing? What are we doing? That's a great question for Marvel to answer. What are we doing here? And if you make John Krasinski read Richards in your movie, I'm fucking done with you. The Fantastic Four is my favorite team. Don't fuck this up for me, Marvel. Oh, speaking of girls, I heard they're gonna make Adam Driver for you, Richards. Cat, you look despondent. <laughs> you look disheveled. You look perturbed. Don't make me go back to the Adam Driver hole. <laughs> I don't want to. 
<laughs> so phase five apparently is only six movies it's going to be Quantumanium, guardians marvels which all this year next year captain america new world order thunderbolts and blade which blade is well, delayed blade. again so who the fuck knows but yeah man so uh <laughs> phase five all to a banging start huh <laughs> oh man these faces don't mean shit anymore <laughs> they don't mean shit anymore Kevin <laughs> oh, what the fuck happened oh man if you've enjoyed the episode please subscribe rate us 5 stars leave a review and tell a friend to tell a friend Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chin at T on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?